Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, we've been talking about um, being the habitation of God. And we've been talking out of a scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 which if you start reading at the 19th verse, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitly fitted together grows into a holy temple, in whom also you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So we've, we've established that Christ is in you. If you haven't, that hasn't registered with you yet, then you just need some deeper revelation this. You need a Holy Spirit slap upside the head. I get him. So anyway, I buckle your seat belts. This could get a little intense this morning. I want to I start by just real quick. I've got to be quick with this. So I'm not going to take very long. Uh, we talked last week out of Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I didn't get to... to I, man, I had this all set up. I was Thursday. I had everything in my iPad, had it all looking just great, and man, something in my spirit, I just, you know how you get, if you preach, the, if, if you do this long enough, you have those moments when you're just like, and you know something's going on, it was that way all day Thursday, and so in my prayer time Friday morning, I'm saying, Lord, what is going on here, what, and he goes, well, you're going to have to lay that aside, I got something else I want. And so, but you know, what's cool about it is even when that happens, it's not like a moment of panic. It's not like a moment of, oh, you know, God, it, if, when it's Holy Spirit, it just flows. And you, you it's just there. And, and, but I want to I go through this real quick. <clears throat> Christ in you, and we didn't get to this section, the hope of glory, and what that means. So I just want to share this with you real quick. Hope. It's not the world's definition of hope. It's not, I hope so. I hope that's going to happen. <clears throat> it is a desire for some future good with expectation of obtaining it. And so hope, basically, when, you, when you're hoping for something, you're in a place of expectation, anticipation of that happening. And so, uh, again, I've got like three pages of notes on this, but we're not, I, I don't have time maybe... Somebody else will get, Lord, give them the okay to do this. But glory, what, is, what does glory mean? And again, I'm just, I'm just flying through this. Glory means appearance, reputation, credit, honor, dignity, character, power. It speaks of a manifestation of God's true nature. So what are we saying? Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the anticipation of seeing God's glory. 
Now, something really, really interesting, I, I, I saw this, and I went to the book of Exodus, Exodus 33, 18, and it's, it's, it's a portion of scripture you all know, where God has Moses with him, and he tells Moses, whatever you want, ask me anything and I'll do it. What did Moses say? Show me your glory. But God's response to Moses is very interesting because what he tells Moses is this. He says, you can't, nobody's seen me and lived. Not, not going to happen. But he said, I'm going to put you in the rock. And then he said this, I am going to let my goodness pass before you. If you translate that word goodness from the Hebrew back into the Greek, guess what it is? Glory. It's the word for glory. So literally, when you have Christ in you, you have the expectation and the anticipation, that spirit, that the goodness of God is going to be manifested to you and through you. Hallelujah. I wish I had time to expand on that, but it just gives you something to think about. When Christ is in you, the hope of glory, you have that spirit that I don't care what comes, what goes, what happens, God's goodness is going to be manifested to me and through me. Not just the physical aspects of God's goodness, but the spiritual aspects of God's goodness are going to be shown through me. His love, His mercy, His grace, His compassion, His patience, all of it. So I wanted to get to that Again, maybe somebody else can pick up on it. Actually, what the Lord, when I, when I went back and did the, and, and the Lord started speaking, this is probably one of the first things that the Lord, when he started talking to me about habitation, this was one of the first things that he brought to my mind. And I want us to look at a couple of scriptures here real quick. Hebrews 3.6. Hebrews 3.6. And it says this. But Christ is a son over his own house. Let's, let's go back to verse 5. And Moses indeed was a faithful in all of his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose, what? House we are. Whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope. There's that word hope again. Same word. Firm to the end. The New Living Translation says that this would be Christ as a son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If, if, again, if there is any doubt in your mind about this, this is a recurring theme. This is a foundational theme of the new covenant. You are the dwelling place of God. You're his habitation. You are, the writer of Hebrews says, you're his house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. 
So let's go over to Psalms 20, uh, 127. And this is kind of the gist of where we're going to stay. Psalm 127. And we're going to read just the first verse. Psalm 127, first verse says, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So in the Passion, it says this, If God's grace doesn't help the builders, they will labor in vain to build a house. If God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all the sentries circle it in vain. The New Living Testament says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. So we've, we've talked a lot about the habitation being the habitation of God, but in my mind, this, this is what should have come first. But that's not what Holy Spirit said. He said, you're going to do it. This is last. And so, um, this scripture is talking, and it, it, can, it can refer to any, any kind of spiritual or natural dwelling. Solomon wrote this. Psalm, so he could have been talking about building the temple. Um, and so, it, it, you can use it to, to refer to any kind of building, natural or spiritual. Spiritually, refers, it, it refers to the building of a life, the building of your life. It refers to the building of your family, your values, your morality, your priorities, all of this. And so when we, when we talk about, it says, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain to build it. I read this, and I thought it was so good. It says, except the Lord regenerates the heart, they labor in vain who try to reform it. Except the Lord sanctify the soul, they labor in vain that seek to cleanse it. Except the Lord is the host in the home, they labor in vain who build it. Except the Lord send the refreshing showers, they labor in vain who seek a revival. Except the Lord build the house of prayer, the doors may as well just be locked, bolted, and barred. So you see how important this, this thing is about, and we're going to take this back to being the habitation. We, we, we can only become the proper habitation of God when he builds the house, when he maintains it. We can't do this. Except the Lord, and that word vain, when it says they labor in vain, it literally means empty, useless, deceptive, no value or worth. So this is pretty straightforward language here. Unless the Lord builds a house, everything that is done is worthless. It has no value, eternally speaking, spiritually speaking. Any attempt to maintain or to build a spiritual house or life without the direction and leadership of Christ is like trying to stir a ship without a rudder, trying to steer a car without a steering wheel. 
It goes where it wants to go. It ends up where it wants to end up. It simply has no purpose, no direction. You see, when, when we become the habitation of Christ, the first thing we do is we get purpose. When you come to the Lord, then you give your heart to the Lord. That's the first thing, one of the first things that happens. You get purpose now in your life. You go from being that, like that, that boat with no rudder to having direction. You're headed somewhere. You're going somewhere. You have purpose. Human effort outside of the guidance and direction of the Lord has no eternal value or worth. I'm going to say that again. Human effort outside and started outside the guidance and direction of the Lord has no eternal value or no eternal worth. I read this week, and I was reading about a, a, a megachurch, and it has several churches, and uh, how that the... Uh, the senior pastor had to had to they they had to remove him. Now this this church has much has much much influence in the spiritual world and in the in the church world. And 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 it has been set up as a a model. It has been set up as a this is how you do it. But in the last, I'm going to say two years. They've, in their in their satellite churches in other places, they've I know at least, I think at least three, maybe four of their leaders have been removed because of moral uh, decline and moral failure. Now I am sure that when they started this thing out, they started with the intention of building the kingdom of God. I don't I'm not going I'm not I'm not out to judge that. I'm not, that's not my place to judge that. I don't judge another man's servant. But I'm sure that that's how they started out, saying, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this for God, and we're going to, we're going to build the kingdom of God, and we're going to see souls saved. And, and, and there's no doubt that they have had, uh, uh, they had, a, had an impact. But somewhere along the line, they lost sight of who was in charge. Somewhere along the line, they lost sight of who was doing the building. And it all began to be about our ministry, our legacy, our this, our that. And forgot that it was God that was building the house. And they, they, had, they had given him, and they had re released themselves to him to be used by him to build this, this ministry. But I will tell you again, if you start moving in human effort and it's outside of, of the guidance and direction of God, when you start thinking you know how to do things better than God does, that's a train wreck waiting to happen. Now, I know none of you have ever done this. I have. And so I can give, I can give witness to this. You can have all the good... You can have, I had a, one of my... One of the precious people in my life, she was a youth leader growing up. And uh, we always called her Sister Elaine. She was, and, and still is, 
one of the sweetest people you will ever meet, one of the most delightful women of faith that I have ever, that I, I know. And she pounded this into us as young people when we had her for Sunday school class, when we had her with youth group. She pounded us this in us. Good intentions paved the way to hell. That's what she said. Good, in, You can have the best intentions even in the work of the Lord. But if you're operating outside of what he's wanting and what he's leading and what he's desiring, what you're doing is in vain. It's got no worth. John Bevere in his book, uh, Driven by Eternity, if you haven't written it, or writ- if you haven't read it, it's a great book. You've got, you got to read it. But he makes this statement, and when I read this statement, man, it, it has stayed in my spirit. When I stand before God, I am not going to be judged for what I did or didn't do. I'm going to be judged by what I was called to do. And he uses the example of someone coming forward, and, and they're called to stand before the Lord, and they're, 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 they're referred to as an accountant. And they look around and go, what? I wasn't an accountant. I was a pastor. I pastored. I had no... And then the word, they, they get the, the revelation, but I didn't call you to be a pastor. I called you to be an accountant. And see, when we start moving, we can have the best intention of, of being the dwelling place of God and, and the habitation of God. But we... When we give that right to him to be Lord of our lives, we give up all say in how things go. Oh, come on. When we tell and we, when we start moving outside of that, and we start moving and we start doing things in our own way, and forget what God has said, it never turns out well. And I was thinking about this, this, this church. They started strong. They started well. But somewhere along the line, they lost vision. They lost the purpose. They lost the insight that they should have had. Haggai, the prophet, man, he just... <laughs> He nailed this so well, and, and he, he was the, 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 the prophet that had come back from out of Babylonian captivity with, with Joshua, the high priest, and Zerubbabel, the, the governor. And they started strong, didn't they? You read about it. Oh, my goodness. They built, they built the foundation of, of the temple, and everything was, I mean, they had a they had a, a Holy Ghost hoedown. I mean, it, it got wild. It says that there, there was so much shouting. The young, 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 the young ones were crying to see the temple rebuilt for joy. The old ones were trying, crying, and you couldn't tell the difference. And they got it built, but something happened. Something happened. 
And they lost sight of what they were supposed to be building and who they were supposed to be building for. And they stopped. And you read where they started doing, the, they started working on their own thing. They started building their own houses. And they started doing things for themselves and they forgot the work of God. And Haggai, you can read it, and it's either the first or second chapter. He starts describing to them what has happened. And man, he describes this so well. And he said this, when you start moving and you forgot about the work of the Lord, it is so, it's, it's so worthless that it's like taking your wages and putting them into a bag with holes in it. Everything you pour in goes out and you lose it. They started well, they started strong, but they lost heart. They lost the vision. And in turn became more focused on building their own house, their own life, their own legacy, and neglected the building of God's dwelling place. The failure or success of our spiritual development depends entirely on how much God is allowed to lead and guide us. I'm going to say it again. The failure or success of your spiritual development depends on how much or how little you allow God to build your life and, you, and let him become your habitation. When you give your heart to Jesus, you are giving up ownership you're signing over the deed, giving up authority to change or alter anything. He now becomes the one that maintains the house. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you even imagine doing this? You buy a house. You sign, you go in, you do the closing, you have all of this. We talked a little about this before. The people that used to own the house come in and say, wait, wait, wait. You can't paint, you can't paint that room that color. You can't, you can't put that chair there. That's not where that chair belongs. It belongs over here. What's the first thing you're going to tell them? My house. My authority. I put things where I want to put them. And so we have to understand that when we, when we say, Jesus, come and be my Savior, you're, you're signing the deed over to him. You're closing the deal. He's now the owner. He's now the one who abides. And in abiding and that being his house now, it's up to him to maintain it. He will maintain it. He will keep it. Let me ask you a question. When you, when you move into a place, especially you ladies, what's the first thing you do? Clean. I asked Kath yesterday if that was the case, and she said, yes, it is. <laughs> so, the first thing he's going to do, <laughs> buckle up. The first thing he's going to do is he is going to start cleaning. 
He's going to start cleaning things up. Now, his idea of clean is totally different than your idea of clean. Now, when you, when you leave a place, you'll clean it. You know, you'll, you'll clean it up so it don't look bad. But you're not as thorough. You're not as thorough in your cleaning as you would be if you're moving into the place. Hang with me. We have to understand this. When God moves in, he's very thorough in his cleaning process and in his idea of cleansing. Even though we think it's clean, his idea of cleaning is on a totally different level than ours. We will overlook things that need to be cleaned out. He doesn't overlook anything. <laughs> might, it's true, so you might as well just mark it down. He doesn't, he's not going to let us, folks, overlook anything in our lives that would keep us from being a place that is suitable for him to dwell. See, here's, here's the mistake we make. We try, we try to, to, to work this out in our own kind of human, fleshly, carnal thinking. And we, we try to look at it, and we look at it from that point of what's clean. Now, I remember when I was a kid, we'd get the order to clean our room. And so we would clean. And mom would come in and look at it, and she'd say, clean your room. And you'd do it again. And she'd come in, and she'd look at it, and she'd say, clean your room. And you cleaned it until you got it up to her standard. It's the same way with God with us. We can think we have, man, we, <laughs> man, we are good at this. We, we, we think we have it all cleaned up and all together, and God comes in and says, clean the room. And he doesn't miss a crack. He doesn't miss a recess, a corner. Everything is inspected to the most minute degree to see if there's anything there that'll dirty up the house. There are only times when a thorough inspection reveals issues that casual cleaning and inspection don't and won't discover. Steve and Annie Chapman, they, they were songwriters back in the 80s, I think, something like that, 80s, maybe early 90s. Great songwriting. They, they wrote some really good stuff. And they wrote one song. And it says, it, that part of it goes like this, my heart is like a house. One day I let the Savior in. And there were many rooms that we would visit now and then. But then one day he saw the door. And I knew the day had come too soon. And I said, Jesus, I'm not ready to go in that room. And of course, said, because there was a place in my house, my heart, that even I wouldn't go. 
I had some things hidden there I didn't want anyone to know. And see, that's what Holy Spirit does. When we, we start really wanting to, and we start really desiring to be the habitation of Christ, guess what? He starts pointing at the doors. What's in there? What's in there? What's in there? And we, in, in either our stubbornness, our hard-headedness, sometimes it's just the shame. We're like, oh, Father, I don't go in there anymore. Father, I, I, I don't want to go in there. I don't want to have to look at that. I don't want to have to deal with that. Why do I have to deal with that? Why do I have to go there? And the answer always comes back, if you want to be my habitation, you're going to have to let me in everywhere. He will not settle for a dual ownership. He won't. Holy Spirit will not settle for dual ownership. It's either his name on the deed or it's nobody's. <laughs> oh, I wish I could make that sound better to you. <laughs> I really do. But I, it, it, see, I, this stuff applies to me too. I mean, honestly, I don't have this down in case you haven't noticed I'm still a work in progress with this stuff because no matter, the deeper you go and the deeper God takes you, the more stuff begins to come up. I mean, two years ago when we went to a Believer's Rally, God dealt with me about my pride. And I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't, I'm not a prideful person. I'm not. I'm not, that, I'm not proud. But you know what I found out? Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> and then I was faced with the choice. You deal with this. You deal with it right now. We don't go another step. We don't go to another, we don't go to another subject. We don't go to another incident. We don't, we don't do that until you settle with this first and you deal with this first. God does not hop around and take you to different things and show you different things, and then if you don't deal with it, say, okay, well, let's try this, or let's try, no, 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 that's not how he does it. He will stick with it, he will stay with it, it'll keep coming up in your life, it'll keep coming up in your heart, until you finally let him clean it up. So there are times when you got to let him do a real thorough inspection. Oh, isn't that so much fun? It, it can be, because you realize what he's doing. <laughs> Come on. You realize what he's doing to you. He's making you a vessel that is fit for his use. He's making you a vessel that is fit to be part of the kingdom. He's making you a vessel that he can trust, that he can impart into, that he can speak into, that he can trust to manifest himself in because he knows he will be manifested through you. Okay. So I'm looking at all this. And this is the part that the Lord, when I first started thinking about this, the Lord gave this to me. I want to go to the book of Leviticus. And, and this is going to seem like, what, when, you, when, when we first start reading it. But 
Leviticus is where all the rules are. And I want to start reading in verse 34. And we'll read down. Um, 14. Leviticus 14. And we're going to read uh, a little bit about this. And uh, so, actually, we'll read it verse. We'll start reading at verse thirty-three. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, "When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession, he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, it seems to me that there is some plague in the house.'" The priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague that all that is in the house may not be made unclean, and afterward the priest shall go in to examine the house. And he shall examine the plague, and indeed if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and to shut up the house seven days, and the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall cause the house to be scraped inside and all around, and the dust they shall scrape, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take the other stones and put them in the place of those stones. And he shall take the other mortar and plaster the house. Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house, after he has taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house, after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timbers, and all the plaster of the house. And he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. So, get the picture here. God tells Israel, I'm going to take you into a place, and I'm going to put you in houses that you did not build. I'm going to give you vineyards that you did not plant. You're going to dwell in the good land. And so, <laughs> then this comes up. Now, when he talks about a... a a, uh, a plague of leprosy in a house, he's not talking about leprosy, the disease. If you go back and you look, he's talking about a, it's, it's probably be something like a fungus or a mildew or a mold or like dry rot, something like that. And sometimes when you see that stuff, you ever, how many of you ever dealt with mold? If you've been in building at all and you, and you do any kind of construction, you deal, sometimes you go into a place and there's mold. Now, sometimes it's, it's superficial, and you can scrub it off, and that's good. But sometimes that mold has gotten into the sheetrock, and you have to replace the sheetrock. And sometimes, if it gets really bad, that mold has gotten into the studs, and you have to go in and you have to either replace those studs or you have to scrape them. You have to clean them. You have to, to, to wash them a special way. You have to put a special kind of paint on them that, that keeps that mold from coming back. 
So sometimes it's easy to eliminate, sometimes it goes deeper and becomes more difficult to deal with. And the longer you leave it unattended, the deeper it goes and the harder it becomes to eliminate. I think some of you are already tracking with me where I'm going here. If we leave things in our life and God begins to deal with us about something, sometimes it's superficial and it takes just a little bit of cleaning up. And then sometimes it'll be something that goes a little deeper and you have to work a little harder to get it out. And then sometimes it's something that's deep and it takes time, it takes effort, it takes more time to get that thing out. And you have to deal with it because if you leave it unattended, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse until your whole house is affected with it. Same with anything. Dry rot, same thing. If you don't cut that dry rot out and you don't get that dry rot out of your walls, it will spread to your whole house. And your whole house will fall down. So the secret to eliminating, the secret of elimination is discovery. The secret to elimination is discovery. You can look at that mold and you can say, well, if I get rid of that mold, no, 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 you have to, you have to, you have to look at it. You have to look deep into it. You have to do some inspection. You have to do and discover what is caught. You can, you can take the mold away, but if you don't take care of the problem that causes mold, it's coming back. If you don't take care of what's causing the mold, so you have to discover where it's coming from. And there are too many times in our Christian life that we're willing just to clean it up and we don't get down to where we need to, and we don't let Holy Spirit get down to where he needs to get down and show us what we need to see in order so we can deal with it at the deepest level, take care of the source of it, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. What's the source of the contamination? Where's the contamination coming from? What's making it come there? Now, the puzzling part of this, this to me was every translation that I read said the same thing. It said this. God was speaking. If I put the streaks there, if I put the streaks there, And I thought, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And I began, as the Holy Spirit began to talk to me, you, do, you look at the description of this, and God was very precise. He didn't, he didn't say, well, it kind of might look like this. No, he gave precise. It's going to look like this. It's going to look like this. It's going to have reddish streaks in it. It's going to have greenish streaks in there. If it's there, you've got a problem. God doesn't beat around the bush with us when it comes to dealing in our lives. He gets very precise. He's very precise in dealing. I, I, I know you've had him deal with you about things. He don't beat around the bush. He, doesn't, he gets right to the root of it and says, this is what it looks like. If you see this, it's a problem. 
God establishes precise methods for dealing with uncleanness. The marks on the wall weren't the problem. The marks on the wall were an indication that something was going on deeper. So that's why God put those marks there. He was trying to get them to see that there was an indication that something else was going on. So I thought, well, what could it be? So I, did some, I did some reading and some research. I found out that, you know, these were Canaanites. These were some bad people. These were some, some icky people. They did things that were, I mean, <laughs> their worship was, we won't even get into that. But I found out that they would actually, some of them would sacrifice their firstborn. And then they would bury their remains in their walls. They would, they would, they didn't have bank vaults, stuff like that, so they would take their idols and they would bury them in the walls. So what was God pointing out? He was pointing out where there was something there that was contaminating the house. Maybe there was an idol buried in the wall there. Maybe it was that thing of, 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 of them having something there that, from their old life that they had sacrificed and they had hid it there and buried it there. And God was saying, you've got to pull that out. And you've got to replace those contaminated stones with the cornerstone, with living stones, with stones that are prompted and built and, and formed and framed by the master builder. And you have to put those in their place. God establishes the marks on the wall were a sign of a deeper issue. He didn't cause the issue. That's not what he was doing. He was just letting them know there was an issue here. The plague is noticeable, and I saw this. Uh, the plague was noticeable. I mean, you could see it. This, this was your sign. You saw that. You saw the, the the marks. You saw. You knew. Whoa! Hold the phone. Something's not right here. Something's unclean here. So what does that what does that say to us today? We have to recognize. We have to have Holy Spirit working in us to recognize when the marks show up, when the streaks come on the wall, so that we can stop and we can say, "Okay, we got to deal with this right now." Another part of this was they couldn't deal with it themselves. They couldn't just decide they were going to do this. They had to call the priest in. They had to get the priest involved. They had, they had, they had to get someone with authority involved that could make the determination. Friend, we, we, we can't deal with this stuff on our own. Too many times, even as believers, I'm almost out of time, but too many times, even as believers, we try to just deal with this stuff on our own. And we don't let Holy Spirit, we don't let, we, we got to have the high priest work on this stuff. We, we, we got to have Holy Spirit working on this stuff because he's the one that's going to point it out. He's the one that's going to show us the proper way to cleanse it and to get rid of it. Everybody knows what's inside here. 
There ain't nothing in here that you don't know about. Some way, somehow, you know it's there. You do. And so, nobody's totally ignorant of all the, of the issues in their life. Let's just be honest. You know. You know. We may not know exactly how to deal with them, but we know they're there. Last thing, and I'm gonna, I'll shut down with this. The house, if you read here, it said that you, everything had to be taken out of the house so that the rest of the contents of the house did not become contaminated. So you had to move everything out. The house had to be emptied so that what was clean stayed clean. And it had to be made sure that it didn't have any contact with what was unclean. The presence of any spiritual issue, if it is not contained and eliminated, will infect the whole house and everything in it. Come on. You let bitterness stay in your life. You let bitterness stay in your heart. You let offense stay in your heart. And eventually it will contaminate everything else in you. It will contaminate every relationship that you have. It will contaminate the words that you speak. It will contaminate your thoughts. You let that habit, you let that thing that you just can't put down stay in your life. And it will infect and it will cause everything else about you to become unclean just like that. Now, look, I, I know this is hard, but listen, folks, when you start wanting to be the habitation of God, he takes it seriously. He takes it very seriously. That's why it's so important to recognize that he has not left us to deal with this stuff in ourselves. When he says that he's going to be our habitation, that means he's going to come in. He's going to do the maintenance. Do we have a part to play in that? Of course we do. Absolutely. But we have to understand that he's in us. And the power to eliminate the destructive and problem areas of our life is in us. So I hope this was a little rough this morning. I know. It was for me. But it's good. we got to be honest with ourselves. Especially in this time. And in and and how in the time that we're living in, there's no more time to be beating around the bush with this stuff. There's no more time to be to be to be waiting and to be taking care of it tomorrow. Now I'm talking to myself as much as I am anybody today, but I have to be willing to say, like David said, "Search me, O God, know my heart, see if there is any wicked way in me." Anymore, I don't give it up out of my prayer time, out of my time with the Lord until I have said this. You search me today, God. Search me today. You know my heart. You tell me if there is any wicked way in me. You tell me if there's anything that's causing me not to enter into what you have. And you and I together will deal with it. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 